Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas. Together and loving it. TNCs apply. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you all. Uh, busy Tuesday, Thursday, actually Tuesday, that was ages ago. Thursday uh, coming up for us between 9 and 12. Uh, alongside our partners, Polaris, uh, wonderful uh, sponsors of the show and we look forward to um, their continued association for a long period of time. Of course, our side-by-side partners between 9 and 12. Rugby, uh, very shortly. Marino Michele Tu'u out of the Highlanders. Uh, they are desperate for a win, and they've got a good chance. Let's be fair, they're playing Moana Pacifica uh, tomorrow night at Forsyth Bar. Uh, it gives them a great opportunity to get off the mark, but uh, what have they been working on? Bob Harrig, just after 9.30 this morning. Uh, Bob is the Sports Illustrated golf writer, uh, he has a, a lot of information about the Masters, and he's got a lot of information too about the rivalry between Tiger and Phil. He wrote a book on it. Very big selling book it was as well. Guy Williams after 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the NBA, not just a comedian, not just a funny guy, very serious about his basketball. Sean Summerfield after 11 o'clock. Uh, motor racing, of course. Some big stuff coming up in the weekend. Uh, around the world with headlines with uh, producer Logan Swinkles uh, around about 11.20. Uh, and we'll also have a Stump Smithy. Uh, and we'll also have some Greyhound and trotting information for you as well. All before midday today. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, a penny for the thoughts of Phil Mickelson on this very high-profile high week of the Masters. It continues to unfold at Augusta. But Phil the Thrill is a notable absentee. Not for 30 years has the three-time champion failed to tee it up. He was invited as a former champion, that's a given. He declined. In fact, he's taken a rather large step back from the PGA and all things golf. The committee have been at pains to point out the decision not for Phil not to be there was Phil's alone because they do have the right not to offer their course, their rules. That's the way the Masters has always been. In fact, Augusta... The club was a male-only institution for 80 years until Condoleezza Rice and Darla Moore were admitted as the first female members in 2012. It's about tradition after tradition. That's the Masters, starting with the drive up Magnolia Lane, the famous driveway uh, that has uh, 61 perfectly groomed magnolia trees on either side, 330 yards long. Only the players, the members and former champions are allowed to drive up it during this week. The champions dinner, the menu set by the previous year's winner. Uh, this year, of course, uh, was Hideki Matsuyama's privilege. Japanese fair was the order of the night. The par three contest, which is on as we speak uh, on the eve of it, don't win it because no one who's ever won the par three contest has ever won the Masters proper. And then the ceremonial tea start tomorrow morning, very early our time. Jack Nicholas, Gary Player and Arnold Palmer all used to hit drivers down the first. Two polite applause, of course Arnie's gone. But Tom Watson will do it this year, another great Masters champion. 
Then 20 minutes later, it all begins when the players reach the 11th tee. I'll start on Amen Corner, 11, 12 and 13, one of the most and most famous vantage points in all sport. High price to get there. 72 holes of drama, there always is an eventual winner who was presented with his green jacket by last year's winner in the famous but quaint Butler Cabin. Tradition, perfectly tasteful tradition. Tickets uh, can go upwards of 2,500 US dollars per day. It's on my bucket list and I'm only six lucky numbers and a bonus away from going, thank God. Like millions upon millions, I'll be glued to the telly again. I wonder if Phil will be, and I wonder if he'll ever be back, the greatest lefty that has ever played this great game. Well, Super Rugby rolls around uh, into a eight, uh, round 18, uh, round 18, round 8 this weekend, starting off with the Highlanders and Moana Pacifica facing off in Dunedin with both sides hungry for a win. We're hoping for a Friday night thriller at Forsyth Bar Stadium, kickoff 5 past 7. Moana Pacifica have impressed many when they've been given the easy beach tag for the season, uh, but they uh, certainly reversed that against the Hurricanes. Uh, but the Highlanders, too, have some serious points to prove, and joining us. Uh, on SENZ Mornings uh, is Hawke's Bay's finest number eight for the Highlanders, Marino, uh, Marino Makali Tu'u. Welcome um, to the show, Marino. I didn't realise you were a Miramar boy growing up. You're speaking to another one here. Hey, uh, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah for sure. I uh, grew up in Miramar and um, obviously made my way up to Hawke's Bay, but um, you know, Miramar has a special place in my heart. It is, uh, it is for me too, mate. Miramar South, Evans Bay, and immediate Rongatai. That was uh, my... Uh, the way I, where I cut my teeth, but um, you've made your way up to Hawke's Bay, which uh, Hawke's Bay fans are absolutely thrilled about. But uh, the, the mission at the moment, of course, is for uh, the Highlanders, and it's uh, starting to become a little bit desperate. What, what's the attitude been in training this week, mate? Um, it's been positive, mate. It's been positive. I mean, um, obviously, we haven't been getting the results we wanted, but um, we've been taking a lot of learnings from um, our, our, our losses and... Um, Boys are, you know, really, 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 ready to roll this weekend. What do you have to do better? It's as simple as that. You, you say you've got the learnings. What are the things you really do have to do better? Uh, it just comes down to execution. I mean, um, picking our moments, obviously, in that Crusaders game, we were right there. But um, I guess we just didn't nail our, our detail when it came to crunch time. And um, ultimately, they, they showed in the result. Okay, you've got uh, Aaron Major, who's a bloke, you know, pretty well coming down with Moana Pacifica. So I guess that'll add a bit of extra spice to it, Marino. Yeah, for sure. Um, funny story, he gave me my first um, debut, a rugby debut. So it's, um, I guess it's a, a bit of a homecoming for him as well. Okay, uh, let's look at, um, at your your side for tomorrow night. And your loose forward uh, trio you're part of includes, of course, Shannon Frizzell and James Lynch's as well. Um, and, and that's uh, a pretty formidable combination. Tell us uh, about how, how that works and the communication you have during the week as you lead up. Um, obviously, Shannon Frizzell is a world-class player and um, he just does what he does and we just let him do you know, um, what he's capable of doing. And then you have um, Jimmy, uh, one of the leaders in the team. Um, I think he comes back into the team after missing last week, so that's going to be a, a huge um, bonus for us in terms of leadership and whatnot when it comes down to um, those crucial moments. 
you have uh, up against you a player that you know pretty well in Solomon Fanaki, uh, Alamanda Motunga, mm. and uh, Penatua Fino. So, a formidable combination. Uh, Aaron Major saying that's the best that he can put on the park at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, as seen as um, as seen in the previous game, very um, physical team. Um, obviously, um, I've played with um, Solomon, um, and I know what he can bring. So, um, obviously, um, yeah, we need to be up for the challenge. What have you uh, noticed about uh, Moana Pacifica? Everyone thought that they'd be pretty much, uh, as we labelled it before, easy beats this year and they'd take a lot of hidings, but mm. it hasn't turned out that way. Are you surprised about that, knowing the personnel within their side? Uh, not at all. I mean, um, they're, they're, they're a fresh team. Um, uh, new, new everything, pretty much. You know, new coaches, so it was a matter of time before they really jowled and um, found their way uh, in the competition. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much what um, what we're seeing now. They, they look like they're um, getting into their strides and um, looking really com- comfortable in the competition. How you enjoy being back? You had uh, an, a, an injury-plagued season last year. You didn't quite get uh, the, the kind of fluency in your game that you wanted. How, how, how has it been this year for you personally? Yeah, it's been um, it's been awesome. Um, obviously, I got injured um, last year, and then uh, I had operation uh, at the end of my team. So all I wanted to do was get some minutes under my belt, and um, obviously now I, now I am, and it's just of um, trying to get some you know um, continuity in, in my performances, and um, hopefully that can you know happen. Max Hicks is uh, set to make his Highlanders debut off the bench. Uh, young Tasman locked. How has he looked in training this week? Uh, he's been awesome. He's been awesome the, the whole year. Uh, obviously, um, hasn't had a had a look at um, until you know this this weekend coming. But um, he's a pretty um, dynamic uh, lock that could probably cover six as well. So um, pretty exciting for him. And Gareth Evans uh, off the bench uh, this weekend. Uh, looks like he'll play his 50th Super Rugby game. I mean, he, he plays in the same area as you play. What, what, have, what have you? Uh, what's your relationship like with Gareth, and what have you learned off him over the years? Nah, it's been awesome. Um, obviously, I know Gareth from Hawke's Bay, and um, coming through, um, I think I started when I was 18, and he was, you know, in his strides. Um, learned a lot from him, and um, obviously, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's racking up 50 caps. Uh, tomorrow so um should be uh, a fun game there's a real strong hawks bay connection if you look at that um you know there's there's Bryn as well um there was ash yeah. up until last year with the, who you were playing with of course for was in the mix as well so just just tell us uh, is it a bit of a hawks bay click down there do you do, do you you do things the hawks bay way or what, what happens nah 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 there's no clicks down here um Everyone gets along. You think so, but um, it's a it's a pretty uh, pretty cool environment down here. Um, yeah, no, no, it's good. it's a good time down here. Falau uh, Falau we're talking about Falau. Uh, he's had a uh, after a long absence last year. I mean, Hawks Bay people were just absolutely crying out for him, but uh, he, he looks to be to be back with a vengeance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's been looking real sharp at training, and um, it's, it's it's crazy what what that guy can do. Um, it's pretty much given the boy, and um, he'll make something happen. So, uh, pretty excited to see um, how far he can go with it. Um, coming back from a, from injury. What's Tony Brown's message been this week? 
Oh, it's just it's uh, focusing on us. I mean, um, obviously in the past performances, it's it's been execution and and, and our detail. Um, nothing to do with effort. You know, if it's there, it's just we we need to nail our moments. Um, so he's just backing ourselves to you know really pull trigger and and um, go with it. So I mean, when you look at the the thing, you, you, the, the table, you kind of think, well. Uh, Confidence must be at an all-time low, but um, you're saying it's not. You're saying that you know you're close and and you've still got high aspirations for the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we sort of um, on Monday we sort of had a reality check of where we we sat on the table and how we're gonna um, get into the playoffs, which was pretty refreshing. I mean, um, we're not going to beat around the bush. Um, obviously, you know we haven't got the wins, but um, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, and um, we just need to focus on the next game and um, and eight, uh, six games after that. Marino, you're only 24 years of age, although um, you've had a few injuries, but you've played a, a hell of a lot of footy for a 24-year-old going back to what Hastings boys high. And that's another question, actually. Hastings boys high, what an amazing production line that's been for rugby. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there's been a few sort of rugby players come out of uh, uh, Hastings boys in the last six, six or so years. Um, and uh, it's pretty good to see uh, the boys come through. Why do you reckon that is? Uh, is, is it is it a real focus of, or was it just you know the the right guys being there at the right time? Yeah, I I think it is. I think um, it, it, it's not a school like St Kent's where they um, get a lot of boys in, and it, was, it wasn't nothing like that. It was more so like homegrown um, talent, and um, I guess they on the, in the last few years they've they, they've put a big focus on um, really trying to you know excel the, the school boys into um, quality players. So, as I say, 24 years of age, mate, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking long-term in the game, or are you just going, what, season by season? Yeah, mate, I'm just, um, I'm just happy to be playing again. Um, obviously, um, with injury um, that I had last year, I couldn't really, you know, um, create any um, momentum in performances and whatnot, so I'm just, I'm just happy to be playing week, uh, year by year, and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. So Hawks Bay, coming back to Hawks Bay, mate, to defend the shield. Uh, absolutely, man. Hawks Bay is um, Hawks Bay is a, is, a, is a place where I enjoy my footy, um, and hopefully we can retain that for another season. In terms of uh, the play this year, there's um, been a lot of focus on new rules, on referees, on contact areas, etc. Just how careful do you have to be these days in points of contact, uh, whatever? I mean, is it something that? that you have to really think about or is it some, something that, you know, in the back of your mind you just sort of hope won't happen because you've still got to have the physicality in the game, don't you? Mm, absolutely. I mean, um, I think if you've seen the game in the Blues game, you know, Caleb Clark has been um, banned, for, oh, suspended for two, two to three weeks for, you know, something that he was out of his, um, out of his control. So um, that just takes you back to, you know, being really careful of... Um, or how you come into contact and whatnot, um, and it ultimately it just uh, gets your team in a, in a bit of a hole if you're, if you're off the field. Yeah, it does. Okay, well, uh, Marino, it's been great to talk to you. I know it's a huge week for you guys. I mean, you simply have to win this one, I think. Uh, well, there's no doubt about that. Mm. I get the feeling from 
the way you've trained this week and uh, the way you're talking, that um, you know that anyway. So good luck with it. 7.05 tomorrow night, Forsyth Bar Stadium. At least you know the conditions anyway down there under the roof. That's a pretty cool place to play. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, hail, rain or shine, um, we'll have a quality game, game of footy. Let's hope you get a great crowd as well, mate. All the best for tomorrow night. Thanks for talking to us. Awesome, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, cheers. Marino Michele Tu'u there from uh, the Highlanders. Uh, he's uh, listed to start at uh, number eight tomorrow um, alongside Shannon Frizzell and James Lynch. That's a very accomplished uh, loose forward trio, I think it's fair to say. And uh, But they'll have their work cut out against Moana Pacific, who have found a, th- a reason to play the- very early on in the piece. They've found a theme and they've found some confidence, which people thought that might be lacking uh, in the first uh, season of this uh, competition thought they might be easy beats. Well, I don't think anyone that uh, wakes up the next morning having played them feels as uh, their body feels as if they've been easy beats. They are there for the fight and they are tough cookies. So I uh, look forward to that game tomorrow. They will push the Highlanders to the limit. You know that. It's 9.19 here on SENZ. Uh, theme for the day, the boys have had a few themes on uh, Tiger Woods, etc. Um, mine is that I, I'm just besotted by the Masters. I absolutely am. I, I just love everything about it, the traditions about it. I read about it, uh, the past champions and everything. But it might not be your thing, is it? Do you like it, the Masters? Um, and if not, what is the sporting event? What is the one that absolutely grabs you year after year as a tradition, just grabs hold of you and says, this is me, um, and it just sets itself apart? from the others. For me, the Masters is, is right up there. The Ryder Cup, well, there's a bit of a golf theme, I guess, but certainly the Masters for me is the one. The reason why is that I, I feel like I know the golf course because they play the same golf course every year and it's got so many names and, and, and little idiosyncrasies about it. Um, you know, and, and I just feel when I'm sitting at home, I'm actually on the course. God, I'd love to be there. I really would. And I'd love to hear from you too. 0800 is the phone number. Double eight double three is the text number. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. A couple of uh, texts have come in already. Uh, Morning, Smithy and team. Awesome to hear a man that bets with his heart, not emotion. If Tiger makes it till gets close to the cut and doesn't retire injured, It'll be a win, and he'll walk away with a massive appearance money anyway. I'm not sure, actually, Dave, whether they do get appearance money at the Masters. The Masters is, is a tournament that is actually an invite tournament. Uh, you do qualify for it, or you do qualify for an invite by being a previous champion, a major champion, winning certain things like the US Amateur. There's a number of amateur in the, amateurs in the field. All sorts of events around the world, you actually qualify for an invite, but you basically still have to get a letter of invitation. Um, so I don't think there's a huge amount of um, appearance money or, or that involved with it. It's probably not the, uh, the highest prize money tournament going around either. There are many more on the PGA which are more exclusive in terms of money. Um, but certainly it's just the prestige of playing in it, the prestige of winning it, getting that green jacket, joining the club of the great players over the years. And some of the, if you look at some of the past winners, uh, that's been one of their only wins. Um, you know they've been invited to play and then they've won but they haven't gone on to win many other things uh, so I, I must admit there was a photo of the cha- uh, the champions dinner that I, I saw on uh, Facebook before and I was trying to go through it myself being an avid golf fan to identify all the names uh, that, that were in that particular photo and I missed out on probably five or six a lot of them have been older 
uh, of course, when, than when they won it. But uh, a lot of them weren't uh, as recognisable as I thought they could be. Jared says, favourite event, go can't, can't go past the Masters. Year after year since I was a kid, I've watched golf at Augusta. I'm with you, Jared, absolutely. Uh, Straddy from the Naki. Straddy and the Naki's come in and said, the, the Masters and the players both played on the same golf course every year. No doubt about that. So you get to know. You get to know the golf course. And that's one of the great things about watching golf. If you know the fairways and the greens, even if you haven't been there, but they play on them year after year, you kind of get the feeling of the golf course. And uh, Straddy also says Bathurst very much for the same reason as well. So, uh, yeah, so they're the, um, <coughs> that's what's going around today. And uh, They've had the par three competition, but in all honesty, you don't want to win that, as I said before. And anyone that's won that has never gone on to win the Masters. So in terms of tradition, you certainly don't want to be uh, successful in that. But it's a great event because it incorporates uh, the parents, the kids, the wife, uh, and it's all just a fun thing about the Masters. But I've got to say the crowds even this year at the Par 3 contest have been simply amazing. I'm going to be talking to Bob Herrick out of Sports Illustrated very shortly about the Masters and um, you know just the impact of, of Tiger being there. And the, what about Phil not being there? I think those are the two talking points for me. Phil Wilkinson, of course, three-time champion, uh, 2004, 2006, 2010, I think. Uh, and, and then... Because, of course, he's been on the outer with the PGA uh, with threats to join a Rebel Tour, to talking about the PGA, um, people being greedy, uh, and, and uh, just fell foul of that and just didn't feel comfortable uh, turning up to such a high-profile event this time round. So uh, it'd be a big uh, hole in the field with the, the world's best ever left-hander not being there. So, yeah, we'll just uh, keep an eye on what happens and pans out over the next few days at Augusta. So uh, look forward to talking to Bob Herrick very shortly. Uh, in the meantime, it's time for news coming up to 9.30. Here's Arawa. Nine thirty-one here on SENZ. Yeah, we love uh, your thoughts. Double eight, double three. And uh, give us a call on 0800 150 811. It'd be fantastic to hear uh, what your favourite sporting event, the one you hang out for every year and the reason why. Um, interesting to see that no rugby answers have come through yet. So is it tennis? Is it uh, Wimbledon? Is it uh, the Australian Open? Uh, is that your thing? I mean, what is it that, that absolutely grabs you each year um, and just says, you, I've got to be there, uh, even if it means perhaps like Monday, this Monday morning, take a morning off work. Take a morning off work uh, and uh, watch the final round of the Masters. A lot of people do. A lot of people absolutely do. Super Bowl is another one. Is Super Bowl the thing that uh, that grabs you? Double eight, double three would be uh, fantastic to to hear from there. Um, all the other things that are uh, happening in sport this weekend, of course, we've got a full round of uh, the NRL to talk about, uh, and that is a very busy weekend as well with the Warriors looking uh, to go for three in a row. Uh, and that would be amazing. Uh, it starts tonight with uh, the Knights against the Sea Eagles, of course. Uh, that game uh, around about 10 to 10 tonight. And then tomorrow it's the Warriors and the Cowboys. We just mentioned that. The Broncos and the Roosters. Uh, the Raiders and the Storm. Rabbitohs, the Titans. Uh, uh, Rabbitohs, the Dragons, the Titans, the Eels, the Sharks, the West Tigers, the Bulldogs and the Panthers. So uh, I can see you on the line. Jeff the Ref is uh, calling through. Uh, I just wonder how we're going, fellas, with uh, Bob. Uh, we're trying to get Bob Herrick up 
uh, from uh, the United States out of Florida, or uh, maybe we've got Jeff the Ref out of Cromwell uh, instead to talk to. So uh, just uh, holding the line and getting a thumbs up or thumbs down from uh, the guys in the booth back up there in Auckland. Um, we've mentioned already that uh, Crusaders, of course, are playing against um, the Hurricanes. That's the 435 game um, on Saturday afternoon. The 705 game will be the Blues, uh, and that will be the Blues up against the Chiefs. So three really cool encounters. Massive weekend of sport. So, Logan, what have you got for us? Uh, yeah, still trying for Bob there, but a disconnect. But we also uh, may have Jeff the Ref on the line very shortly from Cromwell. Speaking to your question uh, about what's an event that you you know, get excited for every year, yes, Super Bowl is definitely one of them. Of course, Masters. I mean, we're all talking about it this week. I remember when I was a kid, and I don't know if this was because it was on Free to Air back in the day, but I used to really get around Wimbledon. Uh, just as as far as tennis goes, I was always really excited when that came around. Uh, maybe not so much these days, uh, but no, I used to really love Wimbledon. And, and I mean, of course, I'm going to say uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. But and then the NRL Grand Final that is one I always look forward to. Um, of course, would love the Warriors to be in there. But it's always to me, it's just this a festival of footy that I really look forward to every year. What about you? Uh, look, I've said it, the Masters. Masters, simple as, uh, as for me, is good to ride a cup every two years. Uh, there's a lot of things I love in sport, uh, a lot of things I love to watch casually, uh, but this is the thing that grabs me the most because I, I feel like I've been there. And even if I haven't, Mike uh, from Wellington, Michael's coming and said the FIFA World Cup for women next year. Uh, he's looking forward to watching that. Uh, Mike from Tutakaka says the Masters and Bathurst. Bathurst is a, is a keen one there. Uh, we've got Jeff the Ref on the line from Cromwell. We had a lot of texts in from Jeff. But, uh, Jeff, great to speak to you in person. Uh, what grabs you in terms of television? Yeah, good morning, Smitty. Good to see you back, bud. Uh, well, I've had 40 years in the, as a turf manager. I'm only on golf courses you know, the last 40 years. and uh, Not just uh, blowing my whistle either, but um, Masters and probably St Andrews are my two favourite events when it comes to the golfing side of it, Smitty. Um, but I just want to give a bit of a different perspective. Like, they have about 40, no, 100 uh, greenkeepers involved leading up to that Masters. And uh, you think of there's 400 golf courses in New Zealand, and the average golf course has about two or three. You know, mm. so that, that's mm. just a totally different sort of a scenario that, uh, that our turf managers got to deal with because all our, our members actually watch, you know, particularly the Masters. They want their golf courses looking like Augusta, and uh, but they're not prepared to pay the, the big bucks, obviously, to you know to, to get their courses up to that standard. But that's the downside. But, but you know that's a tackle, obviously, for players and for us turf managers to try and to get their courses up to that standard. But obviously, we're restrictive with our, with our uh, you know numbers to to maintain them, and obviously the. You know, the average, not the average um, sub is now probably around 800 to 1,000 bucks on the average golf course in New Zealand. It's lovely, but... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jeff, I, I, I just say, you're right, actually, and, and the, one of the interesting things to me about it is to see, uh, and you may probably moan a 1,000 fairways in your time a 1,000 times, but uh, at night, as soon as the last group have gone through, uh, they're straight back at work, aren't they? That, that's the thing that amazes me. And the, the mowers, just gangs and gangs of mowers going up and down, getting everything absolutely pristine. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to help 
Tony Jonas, um, who looked after Gold Harbour, and unfortunately just lost Tony recently. But uh, it was the 2006 New Zealand Golf Open, and yeah, we're starting at four o'clock in the morning. You know, there's about 30, 30, 35 of us, I suppose. You know, most of us are volunteers from all around New Zealand, and you know, well, we helped Jimmy out over in uh, Millbrook, the Open there, and just just fantastically involved, you know, as a volunteer. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of hours leading up to that. You know, basically looking at 12 months. Like I, I know a turf agronomist that's been to Augusta, for example, in the off season, and it looks pretty shabby, run down, to be honest. So they actually build up for 12 months, you know, um, to get it in pristine order because you can't maintain something like that, looking like that for television and for the tournament. 12 months of the year, it's just humanly impossible because the cost and the manpower okay. needed. But. Well, I think what we don't understand, Jeff, also is that the, the Masters uh, golf course, the layout we see of the Masters or, or Augusta, is not the layout that the, the, the members use at all, is it? I mean, uh, it's a totally con- different Correct. configuration for the day-to-day uh, members throughout the throughout the, the course of a normal golfing year. Yeah, correct, yeah. I mean, it's my bucket list to go over there and help out, yeah. Um, there's a waiting list, but I'm still hopeful um, to go over there as a volunteer, but obviously to wait till the old COVID thing settles down. But, um, but it's, you know, it's fantastic to be involved like in any, like New Zealand Open, for example, it's, and we've got Kiwis that go to all the big Opens around around the world, you know. It's, you've got to be passionate about golf. You've got to be, it's like being a referee. You've got to be passionate about the sport. And uh, you, you know, it's a fantastic opportunity. Um, I was doing a plug for greenkeeping, really, too, because we are shorter, <laughs> shorter numbers. We are shorter, you know, uh, greenkeepers throughout New Zealand. Um, in fact, we rely on a lot of overseas guys that do the OEs on our courses, um, particularly in the Queenstown area, you know, for Millbrook and Jacks Point and the hills, etc. Because they've got, so they're a wee bit different, of course. You know, we've got, as I was saying, we've got over 400 courses, and the average probably staffing is two plus volunteers, but over in the resort courses, obviously lucky enough, or have been in the past, to have. A lot of green feet players uh, means they can have good gear and and have good staffing levels. Um, yeah, so you know, they, they probably average about twenty to thirty staff on those bigger courses in in, in Queenstown. Um, so how does yeah. a kid? How does a young kid, uh, Jeff? How does a young kid from school, male or female, of course, because uh, you know it's a it's a job for 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 young ladies getting into the workforce or whatever. How do they get into it? Do they? Do they just go to a golf course and apply, or is there some sort of apprenticeship-type way through? Yeah, good question, Smitty. Um, there's two options. There's obviously an apprenticeship, which is three years. You know, just basically go to the New Zealand Greenkeepers Association website or even a personal approach to the golf course. The other option is I ran the sports turf management course at the Tiger Polytech here in Cromwell for 15 years, and it's a two-year internship, so you do a year, basically all on jobs. So most of my students work on the golf courses in Queenstown, which is fantastic, and and at cricket stadiums around New Zealand, and they all get jobs, and most of them are very successful. In fact, most of them now are in, either two ICs or in charge of cricket venues or golf venues throughout New Zealand and overseas, so there's that option too. It's a great little course. Uh, so, yeah. 
I'm sort of taking it easy now, Smithy, because I'm just uh, one of my weekends back, and my summer's back, and it's just over 60, and I'm just a, a handy man on a vineyard where I can drink a bit of wine and, and play a bit of golf and referee on a sad day. So I've done, I've done the hard yard. In a, in a beautiful place like Cromwell, mate, and the central uh, Otago, I'm seriously jealous of you, Jeff. Uh, but I do thank you very much for your call this morning uh, and your, your background on greenkeeping because uh, without greenkeepers, we don't have golf courses, we don't have golf. Jeff, thanks very much for the call, mate. Have a great day. Yeah, thanks, Willie. Yeah, Jeff, the ref there uh, calling in from uh, Cromwell. Uh, we've got other texts coming in. Uh, St. Bathurst for me, Smithy. Every year it brings friends together. It's an all-day event, always on a Sunday, beers, barbie, and then dinner. Ford all the way. Uh, Dave says, Smithy, not too sure you'll have a change from property of the week to go to Augusta. That's true. Um, yeah, after property of the week. I hope that sold yesterday. Um, so <laughs> Through the Baileys boys. Uh, so, yeah, if I win lotto, I won't be buying that property of the week. I'll be going to Augusta after all. Uh, Graham Morning Smithy over Christmas says the World Darts Championship, and that is great viewing. Isn't that something I'd love to go to live? The World Darts Championship. Uh, always look forward to that. Always look forward to the NPC starting and watching the mighty Northland Tunifar. Cheers, Graham from Marlborough, formerly from Northland. That's the way he always signs off. For me, uh, says Dale, every four years, the Rugby League World Cup. Man, we're looking forward to that coming around again. It seems like forever, Dale, doesn't it? But, yep, and the Kiwis are always. They find something absolutely special when it comes to World Cup time. Uh, Todd says, I played the Cromwell course last Saturday. Tell Jeff the ref he does a great job there. The greens are fantastic. So, Todd, thanks for coming in on that. Great little byplay between callers and texters there. Dave says, State of Origin, best quality league, uh, super rugby final, especially when the Canes are in it. The Ashes, not every year, but must uh, watch rivalry. Masters, not a golfer, but it's the marquee event, like going to Royal Ascot, steeped in tradition. Wouldn't mind going to Royal Ascot either. God, They'll win more than Lotto, the way I'm thinking. Caraca Millions is right up there. We'd love to witness a Melbourne Cup. Been to that, Dale. Uh, Melbourne Cup, absolutely fantastic. Derby Day, that spring carnival in Melbourne, sensational. Uh, for any race goers or people that like a great occasion, that is an absolute must. And yes, uh, the Caraca uh, Million at Ellerslie won't be at Ellerslie for a year or so because they're doing things up there. <coughs> I think it's at Counties next year, the Caraca Million, but that is certainly a nice out because it's so congested. They bring it to, so closely together and all the fun can be had in a short space of time. And Reuben, the dinner man, Bradley, it's the Boxing Day test for me. It's a, a great time of the year. Everyone has the post-Christmas buzz. The, winter, the weather is great. Seeing a packed MCG just gets the heart pumping. I was there on Boxing Day when Warney got a 700 wicket. Well, good for you, Reuben. You're a lucky man. It's such a special occasion. I hope the Black Caps will get another shot there sometime soon. Don't bet on it despite our poor showing there recently. The build-up to that one was really special. Build-up was execution, not so good. 9.44 here on SENZ. SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, pacing for purpose, Season 2. Yeah, Harness Racing, uh, we go for uh, Women's Refuge. That's... Uh, what it is, in between the shows, various shows that we have here on SCNZ, we all pick a charity. Uh, we did it last year, and I think we came third in the uh, morning side of it, and it was uh, Women's Refuge. We've done it again. We're supporting Women's Refuge, uh, and our pacing per purpose horse this week is race six at Addington on Friday. 
It is Pembroke Playboy. It's a nice even field, but uh, Pembroke Playboy is uh, off to the race. Remember, that's the big race coming up uh, later this month and should be, if it's going to be a chance in the race, uh, should be a pretty good chance in this open lineup. So Pembroke Playboy, race six uh, tomorrow at Addington is uh, what we've got in, in store there. Uh, just uh, following up, uh, we, we're sorry we couldn't get Bob Harrig through. We uh, worked pretty hard to get him through the week. Obviously, they're very busy there at the Masters, but uh, sometimes uh, they let you down and uh, they don't answer their phone when uh, you make the arrangement to do that. Uh, so just by the by. Uh, Augusta Chairman Fred Riley says Phil Mickelson, and I hinted at that in the uh, the sermon this morning, was not stopped from playing this year. The Masters, because of his controversial comments surrounding the breakaway Saudi Super League, Three-time champion Mickelson is not playing for the first time, as I said, in around 30 years. The 51-year-old American is taking a break from golf after apologising for his criticism of Saudi Arabia's regime. We did not disinvite Phil, said Ridley. He made a personal decision, and I don't know anything beyond that. Ridley would not be drawn on whether any players who sign up to that Super League... Now, this is the one that's hosted or going to be hosted by Greg Norman. He's very much a part of it, and he won't be at... uh, he won't be at the Masters either anytime soon, I would imagine. He's not a winner anyway, so he's not invited Bob Wright, but um, certainly uh, he won't be there. He made a personal decision, and uh, I don't know anything beyond that. Ridley would not be drawn into whether players, any players who sign up to that Super League, a lucrative Formula One-style tour funded by uh, Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, which holds its first tournament near London in June, by the by, uh, would be banned from future Masters. Uh, I'm betting they are. The Super League plan has provoked anger and led to six-time major champion Phil Mickelson saying the PGA Tour was acting like a dictatorship. That doesn't go down well. Uh, branded the Saudi regime, which has been criticised for human rights, as scary and said the Super League project won as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. Phil, uh, announced, Phil Mickelson announced he would be taking a break from the game to work on becoming the man I want to be, really, at the age of 51, Phil, with all that money in the bank. Uh, goodness me, very interesting indeed. Uh, it is coming up to 9.53 here on SENZ. And to close off this first hour, uh, we'll have Louis Herman Watt and a multi. Local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hole Know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, yesterday we took the Denver Nuggets to beat the Spurs, and the Spurs thumped them. I could not believe that. The Nuggets were only at $1.25, so that would have hurt a lot of punters around the joint, putting it into their multi as well. The Spurs beating the Nuggets, a great surprise there, because uh, the Melbourne City absolutely thumped Sydney Football uh, Club, so uh, that was at a buck eighty-three, and they would beat them 4-0. And the, the third element is the one I'm going to multi in during um, most of the week is that Tiger to miss the cut, because I believe that. So today he's part three of uh, the multi going forward. Uh, Barcelona to beat Frankfurt. That's uh, in the early hours of tomorrow morning. So Barcelona at $1.67 to beat Frankfurt. And this afternoon, the Brooklyn Nets to beat the New York Knicks. And that is $1.45. Can the Brooklyn Nets finally get their act together? We'll be talking to Guy Williams about the NBA. Uh, just after 10 o'clock this morning, so in around five or six minutes' time. Focus a little bit on the Lakers. They're gone, absolutely gone. All that money down the gurgler, not even close. A really poor season for LeBron and his superstar mates. 
So uh, we'll be focusing in on that as well. Barry has come in and says uh, for him, Tour de France for me, not really into cycling, but the scenery and the history lessons of regions and chateaus is breathtaking. The Masters is also a must. I've got a lazy 20 on Tommy Fleetwood just to keep me interested. Yeah, well, Tommy Fleetwood is an interesting one. I'll let you into uh, a little secret. I was speaking to... Um, uh, I was speaking to Sam Pinfold. Now, Sam Pinfold, uh, probably a name that you don't know, but Sam Pinfold uh, is Cameron Smith's caddy. So I was speaking to him uh, a little while ago, and he said to me, Cameron Smith could well win the Masters because the Masters absolutely suits his game. Okay? Cameron Smith has already been a winner on the PGA this year and comes in to a really uh, top-level pairing. Uh, and I think he comes in as a real chance to win the game, uh, win the Masters, and certainly be in the top five anyway. So mark that down as my one of my tips for the Masters. Cameron Smith from Australia it is uh, coming up to ten o'clock here on SENZ. Uh, Guy Williams after the break, but here's Ottawa with the news. To behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, basketball now, and the NBA regular season wraps up on Monday, our time. And with just a few games to go, the playoff picture got a lot clearer yesterday after the famed LA Lakers were eliminated from playoff contention. So there will be no LeBron. There will be no Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, or Carmelo Anthony. Anthony, all those players, uh, they've got nothing to show for it, the, the Lakers, at the end of the day. But there are still eight teams vying for the last spots when the NBA's play-on tournament begins next week. Uh, joining us now to make sense of all that and maybe help us pick a winner is uh, Kiwi comedian Guy Williams, but also uh, in this particular capacity, um, basketball aficionado. Guy, good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Smithy. The uh, reception is terrible, so if I cut out, I'm sorry about that. So, okay, so you're somewhere around the country, are you? Because before we get into the basketball, you've been busy filming the next season of New Zealand Today, immensely popular show. Whereabouts around the country have you been hunting out stories, mate? I'm in Dargaville putting on a beauty contest. Yeah? I expected you to laugh when I said that, but Dargaville has a lot of beautiful people and we're experiencing the beautiful... <laughs> of the Miss Kumara Princess competition. There's a lot of beautiful people here in the beautiful Dargaville. What a place. Okay, so Joe, I've got to find out more about this. I'm oh, sorry, before we get on to the NBA, how many contestants have you been able to find in Dargaville? <laughs> you sound sceptical. We've, uh, <laughs> we've had five contestants, and it's been absolutely wonderful. Like, uh, honestly, small-town New Zealand are the loveliest places in New Zealand. People from Auckland give them a hard time, and that's because people from Auckland are not nice people. But go to small-town New Zealand, you'll have the time of your life. I can't recommend Dargaville highly enough. What a place. So, okay, I'm looking forward to watching, but I'm also looking forward to, you know that part in a beauty contest when you say, uh, and, and it's one of the last things when you turn around and say, oh, what are you going to do to change the world? I mean, if you were in charge, what would you do to change the world? What do people in Dargaville want, and how do they want to change the world? Uh, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of indoor wars quotes which are which are always good. You know, like obviously that's very topical. Not very easy to do. Not an easy thing to change from Dargaville, but um, I appreciate the sentiment nonetheless. <laughs> okay, let's get on to uh, the NBA because that will be attracting a lot of your attention, particularly as we head into the play-in tournament to decide seventh and eighth seeds in the East and West. 
Um, what about that playing tournament? Are you happy about that? Yeah, um, it's good because it just discourages. Um, there's less teams tanking and there's just more excitement. Like there's a lot of teams like kind of Charlotte and Atlanta who kind of are always hovering around the playoffs. It kind of gives them more incentive to um, finish the season strong and gives their fans something to root for. It just it just makes things a little bit more exciting and it. You, you always root, you always root for an underdog, right? You want to see an upset, so I think people want to see um, teams like San Antonio with Greg Popovich potentially in his his last season. You know, have one last hurrah, and this is the playing tournament gives them a chance to do that. It's exciting. How does it work, guy? Um, well, it's it's not easy to explain, but basically the seventh and eighth seeds, which who are normally cannon fodder for the first team for the um, for the best teams in the um, first round of the playoffs. They play each other, and the eighth and ninth team they play each other, and then if the seventh and eighth team, the losing team gets a second chance against the eighth and ninth team, the eighth and ninth team gets a gets a chance to play their way in by beating the seventh or eighth team. It's a little bit complicated, but it's just it's just a mm. few extra playoff games and a little bit extra excitement. Yeah, it is. It is actually, and there's a lot of people that support those fringe teams, so I think it's a great concept. Listen, Stephen Adams has had. Uh, what I regard, uh, looking from the outside, in a pretty damn good season, actually, as have the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, have, have they have they got a chance of going much further? You feel? Yeah. So it's interesting you bring this up because New Zealanders are obviously a lot of Kiwis just follow Stephen Adams wherever he goes, and I've always kind of been a little bit harsh on Stephen. While I love him, a great person, great player, he's always been on a huge, huge contract. Like he's almost played paid like superstar money. So I always try and temper expectations by going, hey, Stephen might not be the best player for this team to acquire because his salary is so huge. But I'll tell you what, me being a hater, I don't know whether it's tall poppy or what, Stephen Adams has been successful everywhere he's gone. And I question Memphis acquiring him at the start of the season. And they have had a brilliant season. They've shocked the NBA. They've finished second in the West, which is very difficult over team, or they're, they're looking to finish second in the West over teams like Golden State, and you've got to give him credit. I don't really know what his secret is, but wherever Stephen Adams goes, he helps his team win, and, you know, that is, it's just been a mind-blowingly great season for Memphis. I've been blown away. I would imagine where Stephen Adams goes is a pretty happy environment. He's that kind of bloke that sort of make a dressing room a pretty pleasant place, wouldn't he, with a sense of humour, etc.? Yeah, he's funny. He's an enforcer. You know, when they've got a star point guard called Ja Morant, who's a very exciting small player who gets pushed around a little bit. Stephen Adams is like the big older brother who backs him up. And um, yeah, you can you can criticise his contract, but obviously for Memphis and for everywhere else he's gone, he's he's been totally worth it. Yeah, what a um, he's a he really is a Kiwi sporting icon, right? Yeah, I, I think he is. He absolutely is, uh, guy, because that is a hell of a place to try and make your name, the NBA, and he's. Absolutely done that wherever he goes. You're right. Now, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are in the play-in tournament. Now, here's uh, a team, a superstar outfit, which included, uh, which includes Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, uh, of course. And then of late, uh, they had Harden, of course, uh, James Harden. Uh, they traded him for Ben Simmons. We haven't seen Ben Simmons. So where are the Nets at, mate? And th- is this a flop of a season for them thus far? For people who don't follow the NBA, let me just catch you up briefly on the Brooklyn Nets because it's been absolutely bizarre. They went into the season as the hot, hot favourites with three superstars. As you said, Kevin Durant, 
Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Like, that's two recent MVPs on the same team right there. That's an amazing team. Everyone picked them as, like, the team that was going to smash everyone. Now, what happened was that Brooklyn introduced vaccine mandates, which meant Kyrie, who's a flat earther and an anti-vaxxer, couldn't play, okay? He couldn't play in his home games. As a result, the team had some injury problems. They were missing one of their stars. They have all their money tied up in those three players. The team had a rough start, and James Harden forced his way to Philadelphia, which was a a crazy trade done by um, Sean Marks, who's also a Kiwi. Um, And that trade um, actually strengthened one of their biggest rivals, Philadelphia, just two hours down the road. So that created this weird situation where Kyrie started playing, because he's not vaccinated, he couldn't play in Brooklyn, New York. He played only in away games. So that team, because of Kyrie and his, his slightly unorthodox beliefs, have really been in like, um, I mean, Sean Marks, the Kiwi who's running the organization, must be pulling his hair out because it's been like in sports, you don't see a situation where you have a, a part-time player only playing half the games. It really is truly bizarre. So their season has been in tatters. Um, but yeah, no one will want to play them anyway because they're going to get in in the eighth or ninth. And even though they're not the best team, any team with Kevin Durant is always dangerous because he's probably the best player in basketball at the moment. So you've got to say they're scary, but definitely not a threat um, just because Kyrie and his, um, his bizarre part-time playing has, um, has really left that team in shambles. Going forward, is Simmons the answer? Ben Simmons the answer to their problems? No, no, that was Sean Marks, again, proud of a Kiwi doing well, but um, that was him just doing a desperation play because, uh, because uh, they had this weird situation where, where James Harden wanted out because of Kyrie not being vaccinated. So Ben Simmons is another distressed asset who was, who was upset with criticism from his coach. So he, um, he stopped playing and then got injured. So it, this is going to sound weird to Kiwi sports fans. You've never heard of this. But there's basically a player, Ben Simmons, he's Australian, who's on $20 million a year, who doesn't want to play because he's upset basically with his coach and uh, teammates being a bit mean to him. It's, it really is strange. Mm. Um, but they've got, he, he's Brooklyn's problem now. And on top of all his uh, shenanigans, he's also injured. So, um, so he's not going to be much help to them this year. And, and that's, um, that adds to Brooklyn's problems. It really is a circus, honestly. Saying this out loud, it sounds bizarre, but you can look it up. It's all true. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. It absolutely. For a bloke who gets 20 million bucks and can't shoot free throws either, that uh, sort of gets me a wee bit guy. It's almost, it is. I mean, as you say, it, that is laughable. Uh, here, here's uh, yeah. the team he's gone from finally. They finally got rid of him as uh, Philadelphia 76ers, of course, uh, with Doc Rivers there. They face the Toronto Raptors. Uh, we know that that's going to be a, a matchup. What can we expect from this one? Well, well, yeah, I, I would say um, Philadelphia should have not too many problems with that. Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate. But the Eastern Conference, I feel like I've been too negative in this conversation. The Eastern Conference and the NBA as a whole is going to be a bloodbath this year. And if you're not a basketball fan and looking to get into the NBA, this is one of the playoffs to do it. Because honestly, I pro- Toronto's my team. I probably wouldn't pick them. But there's, there's four amazing teams. Milwaukee, Miami, Boston, and Philadelphia, who all are like all in this year. They have a very good chance of winning. And I, I don't know any expert who tells you they know what's going to happen in this playoffs will be lying to you because absolutely anything could happen. And if you put money on any of those teams, I would say you're in with a shot because um, 
because, yeah, it's just so wide open this year. It really is. It's exciting. Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls. Um, can the, the Chicago Bulls um, stop Giannis? I think that's what it boils no. down to, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, no. Chicago's had too many injuries, and they've unfortunately they peaked too early in the season. I, I, I would say it's very unlikely Chicago's going to give Milwaukee any problems. Um, uh, but the, the first round of the playoffs, unfortunately, I don't think we'll see many upsets. But once we get into the second round and we see um, Milwaukee matching up with either Miami or Boston, that's when things will get really spicy. And honestly, I, I put my money on the Bucks to come out of the East, but I wouldn't be confident with that bet. Okay. Dallas against uh, Utah. Now, Utah go way, way back in their history. Of course, they go back to Carl Malone and John Stockton, one of the greatest pairings of all time uh, in NBA basketball, but they've always just been one of those uh, sides that threatens to deceive. What about this, this time around in the playoffs? Utah is another team. I, I, I feel bad focusing on the drama, but those are the questions you've been asking. Utah is in complete free fall. They um, have been a constant NBA contender every year who does well in the regular season and chokes in the playoffs. And this year, unfortunately for all those Utah fans who remember the glory days, um, this team's this year's team is completely dysfunctional with the two star players, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, um, not really cooperating. People, the rumours are they don't like each other. Um, there's no evidence of that actually happening. But statistically, um, uh, Donovan Mitchell only passes the ball to Rudy Gobert twice per game. Um, that was a stat that came out recently. And I think that's fairly glaring that there's some sort of like at least chemistry issues with that team. I don't know what's wrong with Utah. But um, I have no faith in them um, doing much damage in the playoffs, unfortunately, for Utah fans. And can I also say, sadly, for those people who remember the 90s and Stockton and Malone fondly, um, Stockton has gone um, a little bit off the deep end with his conspiratorial um, beliefs. And Carl Malone, just don't Google Carl Malone's name for the um, horrific allegations that are against him. But um, it was kind of my child. I was always a big Utah fan growing up in my childhood has kind of been ruined by kind of reading about the bizarre personal lives of, of both Stockton and Malone. And um, you kind of, uh, uh, if you Google them, you'll kind of be glad uh, that Michael Jordan won all those years in the 90s. <laughs> well, I'm going to Google them. I just have to after the show, so I'll be doing that. Um, let's have a look at um, uh, the, the, the Golden State Warriors guy, uh, Steph Curry, of course, Draymond Green. Um, you know, I, I just uh, Clay Thompson. I just wonder where they're at. They'll face the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, like you, that's going to be a good series. Jokic, Nikola Jokic, Jokic, the star player for um, uh, Denver, is um, uh, having an MVP season. He'll probably win MVP over either um, Antetokounmpo or Embiid. Really interesting that three um, European or oh, international players, sorry, um, uh, Embiid is from Cameroon. Three international players, Cameroon, Serbia, and Greece, are the three standout players in the NBA this year going for the MVP. That's something that's probably never happened before. But um, to answer your question, uh, Denver versus Golden State is really kind of a series of, of what-if. And the problem is there is that Golden State is very injured. They've got their three, their three best players. They're all veterans of won championships before. They're all coming off injury or have recently come back from a big injury. So Steph Curry's still out. Thompson missed all last season due to injury, and um, uh, yeah, they're all they're all playing their way back. And um, and and Denver Nuggets and Jokic they have bigger problems 
with um, their, their second and third best player both out. So while that will be an entertaining series, two amazing offensive powerhouses, it's hard to predict either of those teams going far just because, unfortunately, an injury have, have, have struck both of them down. But it will, it'll be very watchable. Guy Williams, I was going to ask you to pick it in one, but I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. You, you, you sound so great, and it's been so informative hearing from you that during the playoffs, uh, I'm going to come, we're going to come back to you. That's a promise. Uh, when you get home from Dargaville, uh, that, that's a promise so we can get uh, some more in-depth analysis of just how the playoffs are going and get you to pick a winner at that stage. It's been great chatting to you, mate. Uh, enjoy the final. Yeah, north. thanks so much. Thanks so much, Smithy. I appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. Guy Williams there, folks, with a really good in-depth insight into the NBA as we approach the playoffs starting next week. 10.18 here on SENZ. We've got a panel coming up very shortly. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Joined this morning by News Hub's James Regan and our very own SENZ's very own Ricardo Ball this morning to... uh, working through uh, a number of subjects, uh, including a really good one for you, James, because you broke the story last night that the Kiwis will now officially play Tonga at Mount Spart the week before the Warriors come home and start playing some games at home, which is going to be a great occasion in its own right. But, James, this is exciting news for league fans in a window, I think, around about the state of origin. Is that right? Yeah, more exactly. Um, yeah, it's really, really exciting. It's going to be the same weekend as the second State of Origin, I believe, June 25th. Uh, so Kiwis on Saturday, State of Origin on the Sunday, and then a week later, as you say, the Warriors coming back to Mount Smart. So suddenly after, you know, so long without any action over here, we're going to, we're going to get a few good games, which is really great because I know league fans here have just been desperate to watch, uh, watch their teams live and, Kiwis against Tonga, you know, we've seen some some great games between the two over the past few years. You know, we all remember the Sea of Red um, at Mount Smart during the World Cup in 2017. So hopefully we see a return of those scenes as well. And both teams preparing for a World Cup uh, at the end of the year as well. So hopefully the Kiwi firms can get a game uh, down there as well. And it's a doubleheader and it's going to be a huge, uh, huge couple of weeks of league finally after, after so long. What are you anticipating, James, in terms of availability of, of players? Clearly, uh, there's a window there with State of Origin where a lot of Kiwi players aren't involved. But um, what, are you, what are you looking like in terms of this, this uh, one-off strength uh, for this Kiwi game? I, I think the appetite is definitely there from the players. They will want to play um, for their team, right? And, and that goes for both Kiwis and Tong as well, I think. Uh, it'll get to a stage as well where the NRL is probably saying you need to let these guys go. It's just the one week that they're going to be away or, you know, 10 days or whatever it is that they'll be in camp and needing to get over here. Um, because the, the game needs the international game at the end of the day. That is the pinnacle still for, for me anyway. It's still uh, the best of the best seeing the Kiwis, the Aussies, the, you know, the English, the Tongans going at it. Um, and we really need that game to get going. As we say, there's a World Cup. Uh, at the end of the year, that got cancelled last year. So that the international scene's been put on the back burner. I'd say the NRL would will want to push uh, players playing for their country. It's it's a great look for the game, if nothing else. So I'd expect a good t- turnout. The players are definitely keen. That's for sure. Well, it's pretty much three years since uh, the Kiwis have played at Mount Smart. So that is a hell of a long time uh, for them to be away from probably their home ground, as you'd like to call it, back here in New Zealand. So 
uh, Ricardo. But the other thing that it signifies too is uh, the Warriors' homecoming. And finally, some New Zealand franchises are going to get some home court, home field advantage. Yeah, which is going to be great. Uh, I, I don't know how the Warriors feel about New Zealand Rugby League uh, uh, putting this game in a week before they get to come home and, and whether or not that'll you know sort of have any impact on their crowd. You'd, you'd hope not. You'd hope the appetite for live uh, rugby league at this level is, is going to be there. But uh, now looking forward to it, Smithy, and uh, looking forward to being able to go along to Mount Smart, hit a Fritz's wiener uh, and watch some, uh, some top-level uh, rugby league on our own home patch. Um, the, the only question I have, and I don't know James might be able to fill us in on this, is is Christian Wolf, um, obviously the Tongan coach, is also the St Helens coach. And according to the Super League draw, St Helens play Leeds on the 23rd of June, which is two days before this match. So are, they gonna, are, are Tonga going to have their coach available? Yeah, that, that's a tough one. Tonga have kind of been up in the air over the past couple of years for various um, various reasons. I think Christian will take charge uh, of the World Cup. I'm not sure whether St. Helens will be keen on him uh, dashing over for a game um, over here, but yeah, it'll be, be great to have a full contingent of Tonga coach included, definitely, but I'm not, not 100% sure on that one whether he'll be able to come over for that game. Uh, one of the other things that uh, signify homecomings uh, will be the Phoenix. It's going to be a bit late for them this time around. Uh, Ricardo, and they've gone into um, a slump where they've suffered, I won't just say defeats, uh, they've been quite heavy defeats. What, what's, hap- what's happening in the franchise at the moment? Well, I think you've you got to look at the injuries that they've picked up. Um, you know, and I mean, they, they had a lack of depth, I think, anyway. Um, but when you lose Alex Rufa, your captain, um, who's, you know, sort of been there game in, game out, playing a lot of 90-minute performances in the middle of the park. And then you lose his partner, Clayton Lewis, who they still haven't told us exactly what's gone wrong or when uh, Clayton will be back. But uh, things are pointing to he might not be back this season. So uh, those guys hold the middle of the park. They dictate play. Uh, he's lost both of them. And then uh, the best striker that you've got in, uh, in Gary Hooper, not only has got out of his contract for next year, but he's got some sort of injury that seems to be preventing him from playing as well. Uh, so you've got all these things going on which certainly haven't helped. Um, and then, you know, Sam Sutton is having to, who's been, you know, effectively the first choice left back, has been having to, to sit in midfield, which he likes to do. That is a position he's played previously, but he hasn't played it at this level a lot. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of question marks over that and, and whether or not, you know, the Phoenix are able to, uh, you know, sign a free transfer here or there and bring someone in that can help that. It doesn't look like that's the case. They've, they've promoted another couple of kids out of the academy and sent them over and both those guys were on the bench after they'd only arrived in Sydney two days beforehand after that game against the Mariners which tells you everything you need to know I think about the depth of the Phoenix at the moment um, I talked to Cameron Housen last night who of course has been with the All Whites mm. up uh, and qualifying and I asked him whether or not you know there had been any contact and he said no he hadn't heard anything and you know he looks like an obvious one because he's not in a fully professional environment he's still playing uh, at a level good enough for Danny Hay um, so you would have thought uh, you know a loan for the rest of the season something like that might have worked but it doesn't look like the Phoenix have even talked to him about it so I think what you see is what you got for the Phoenix for the rest of the season uh, they've got three games in hand on Sydney who are above them and only a point above them and Sydney to be fair got beaten 4-0 by Melbourne City last night as well but the, ga- the way the games are coming thick and fast, they're playing every three or four days. I-, I don't see this getting any better because there's just no time to fix anything and no time to get anybody else in. OK, uh, we'll stick with the football theme 
in the second part as well, Ricardo. I'll ask you what you know about Costa Rica because I know not much, but I'm going to have to find out very shortly. It's coming up uh, 10.31 here on SEN. James Regan, uh, Ricardo Ball will continue part two of the panel. But in the meantime, here's the news with Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Ricardo Ball and James Regan with us this morning. And James, uh, I'm just seeing a headline come across stuff uh, again this morning. Uh, people regarding the punishment dealt out to Caleb Clark after his red card, a three-week suspension um, as a result of his actions against Moana Pacifica. What did you read of that? And, and the red cards have uh, have been pretty commonplace so far. Yeah, it's it's definitely been the theme of Super Rugby Pacific over the past few weeks, hasn't it? I mean, there have been a couple of others that you can understand. I mean, the, you know, they're trying to clamp down and protect players, which which is great, and um, we really need to see. But the Caleb Clark one, like, three weeks, that, that seems a lot for me, bearing in mind the situation and the speed the game has played at. There's no, obviously no malice in anything that Caleb was trying to do. He was trying to compete for the ball. He's a competitor, as they all are. You know, it was contact with the head. I can understand a red card. Um, I think it was James Dolman refereeing. I can understand him kind of seeing that and going, OK, that, that's got to be a red. But to then review it and go through it and, and give him three weeks, I think that's pretty harsh. I mean, that's the way the game is played. There's always going to be incidents like that. And to then go back and look at it and still give them three weeks, I think that's pretty harsh on Caleb Clark. Yeah, I do too, actually. Having reviewed the the various incidents, I don't think there should just be a carte blanche penalty uh, for these things. I think they've got to be looked in in each in the individual case and uh, previous records, et cetera, like that. I think three weeks is exceptionally harsh. However... Uh, that's what he's going to have to sit out, it seems. Uh, James, the, the Masters, is, does it grab you? I mean, for me, it does. It absolutely does grab me. But the Masters Golf Tournament, uh, same course every year. We get to know it. Uh, the green jacket up for grabs, all the traditions. Is, is it something that, that, um, that, that spins your wheels? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not a, a huge fan of golf. I'm not going to sit up and watch every tournament overnight. But the Masters is definitely one you, you kind of look for in the calendar and even more so this year, obviously, with Tiger Woods. We've seen the amazing crowds that have, that have come out just to see him do a few practice holes and, and everything he's been through. It's great. But uh, in terms of the Masters in general, yeah, you've got to watch it. It's just, you know, the stories that come along with it. Someone always comes out of nowhere and absolutely, you know, either wins it or, or gives everyone else a, a pretty good fright. So, yeah, you've got to watch it. And I'm, I'm so, so excited to see Tiger back and... Um, so impressed and, and just have so so much admiration for what he's done uh, over the past year or year and a half since that since that car crash. So yeah, we'll definitely be tuning into this one. That's for sure. Yeah, it's a hell of a story. There's no doubt about it. Um, and it grips the world. Uh, whatever Tiger does grips the world. But actually, back on the golf courses, uh, the good side of it. Uh, Ricardo just had a text come in for you. Tell Ricardo Ten Hag will be the next Man's United manager. Found out this morning per Fabrizio <laughs> Romano. From Brad, what do you make of that? I think it's a great move. I really do. I think um, of the of the options that United had, uh, I, I think he's probably the best. He's at the moment uh, in charge of Ajax. He's been at Ajax for a while. He's uh, brought through a lot of very very good players. Uh, you know, he got Ajax to a Champions League semi final where they were very unlucky to, to to not make the final that year. Um, and prior to the year, I think prior to that, they'd made the uh, the Europa League final. So. 
he knows how to manage in Europe, uh, and you know, and that's on a a very small budget compared to you know, in, in Holland compared to you know the French leagues or the, the Spanish, the German, uh, the Italian or the English leagues. So, I think it's a great appointment. He plays very good football. He likes to bring youth through, and uh, it's just really for United now about making sure they have a structure in place to support them to do the best job possible. But uh, I think it's the best appointment. I certainly wanted him over. Maurizio Pochettino, I, I, and I think uh, if they can get that nailed on and they can sort uh, the the office out, because uh, there seem to be too many shifts, uh, I think is, is is a big part of the problem at United. Uh, then I think he'll be a, he'll be a success, and I think it'll be a great appointment. I think when you've got chefs in the office, you've got big problems, mate. No doubt about that. Um, particularly if the managers are in the kitchen, I can promise you. Uh, here's the other thing, though, Ricardo. Uh, <laughs> Peru, it's not Peru this year, it's not Mexico this time round, it is Costa Rica. Uh, that mm. kind of excites me. Uh, should I be optimistic? Yeah, I think so. I think so, mate. I, I, I really do. I, you know, and, and for several reasons. Um, you know, one of those is that this is a one-off game, and I think that it's a one-off game in a neutral venue, and that probably goes in our favour. Uh, I don't know if you saw the other day Costa Rica played the USA, beat them 2-0 in Costa Rica, which you'd think, well, that's a frightening result. But the US have never beaten Costa Rica in Costa Rica in their entire history. And it's, uh, you know, talk about a cauldron. Uh, I think going to Costa Rica, that's the epitome of going into a cauldron. And the All Whites aren't going to have to do that. It's going to be neutral territory. So I think that goes in our favour. And I also think this Costa Rican team uh, is is on their last league is probably a bit harsh, but their best players are at the end of their careers. You know, they've got Brian Oviedo, who played for Fulham in the Premier League. They've got Brian Ruiz in the Premier League. Uh, they're both 36 now. Uh, they've got Kayla Navas, the PSG goalkeeper. They've got a guy called Joel Campbell, who Arsenal fans will remember. He never quite cracked it there, but he, he, he was there for a long time and spent a lot of time on loan at Real Betis in, in, in Spain. And those are their four big players. Um, Pretty much everyone else plays in the Costa Rican League. And uh, I got a, a, a US football writer who writes for the New York Times on football, Brian Shatteron, uh, while I was filling in for you the other week to ask him about that Costa Rican mm-hmm. League and how it measured up. And he said, look, it's a really poor league. Um, it, it's not anywhere close to, say, the MLS level. Uh, the only thing positive for Costa Rica is that the players that they do have are playing for the two top teams in that league, so they know each other well. But in general, it's pretty much an ageing squad that the Costa Ricans have, and their best players are past their peak. So I think if you look on paper, player for player, with the always, our players are playing in better leagues at better levels. So I think we're a better team, and uh, I think Danny's smart enough uh, to get us through this tie. I look forward to it. I really do. I think it's going to be quite exciting, and it's not that far away either with limited uh, preparation time. Um, uh, James, just finally, Joseph Parker and talks uh, in a fight with uh, Joe Joyce coming up. What about that proposition? Yeah, I think I think that's a great fight uh, for both of them. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be in the UK around June, July time, um, and that'll be that'll be that'll do huge numbers in the UK. Joe Parker is really popular over there. Joe Joyce is obviously up and coming, and and will want a title shot eventually. So. After the back end of last year, where Joe Parker finished really strong against Derek Chisora and really put himself uh, back in the mix for that heavyweight division, uh, it's a great fight, and, and I know he wants to get out sooner rather than later as well. He's training with uh, Tyson Fury still at the moment in the build-up to his fight. So, uh, yeah, hopefully a deal can get done and then all the paperwork can get done and we can see Joe, both Joes uh, out there sooner rather than later. 
James Regan and Ricardo Ball. Thanks very much, uh, gentlemen, for uh, the panel this morning. We'll have another one uh, tomorrow morning around about this time. Uh, have a good weekend, James and Ricardo. Have a great night's sleep. I understand you're going to be really busy tomorrow, so look forward to that as well. Um, yeah, 10.40 here on Yeah, I know you have. I know you have, brother. Uh, and you've got the physique for it. Don't you worry. Uh, SENZ here at the moment. It is 10.41. Uh, we'll be back shortly with uh, a couple of texts and then, of course, Louie and the TAB before 11 o'clock. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, uh, thanks to Polaris, of course, our show naming right sponsor for this particular show. Uh, 9 to 12, just come on board earlier in the week. A great association. We're so proud to be uh, side by side with uh, such a well-known New Zealand brand as Polaris. So many vehicles arriving every month. So just visit your local Polaris dealer today. That would be uh, my advice. Uh, we've got uh, a number of uh, texts that have come in this morning. Uh, here's a betting one, which is, I think, not a bad one, actually, uh, because I do think the Highlanders and Moana Pacifica will be quite close for a long, long time. Uh, so the Highlanders to win by under 12, and the Warriors to win by under 12 against the North Queensland Cowboy, and apparently that's 12 bucks. That's a heck of a, a bet, I reckon, and a real possibility. So uh, look out for that one, and thanks so much for, for your tip. Um, hi, Smithy. Uh, Anthony says, Clark, three weeks, uh, as you say, is exceptionally over the top. In the Aussie rules, they are, there are many similar incidents like this. So uh, the punishments are severe, but uh, enjoying the show. Uh, really, uh, I, I kind of agree with you. The other thing, intent, and uh, uh, three weeks is a hell of a long time to take out of a pretty abbreviated season, I feel, anyway, especially for a guy like uh, Caleb Clark looking his way back. I don't think there's any malice or anything in there in the guy at all. He seems like a hell of a good rooster. Uh, so I, I just think, sure, you've got to look at uh, consistency and that sort of thing, but a, a little bit steep, just a, a little bit steep. Robbie says it was a charge down, not completing a, not competing an aerial kick. What others attempt to charge down, they don't leap in the air with knees up. They usually stretch body out and arms full extension. So uh, that's Robbie's perspective on the whole thing. Uh, Michael says I'll be watching the Singapore Sevens on the weekend because the uh, men's uh, All Black Sevens are back playing. Okay, Mike, thanks for the heads up on that. Uh, and Zaid, it's been a while. Zaid, thanks for uh, checking back in with us. Um, I, I think Caleb Clark, three weeks suspension is not fair. It is ridiculous. He should try and challenge it because it was accidental. He was a very good player for the Blues. I think he was uh, getting back to some really good form. Uh, Wellington Phoenix is starting to struggle a little bit again um, at the death of having a lot of injuries. I would like them to make the top six, but they're struggling a little bit now. Zaid, you're so right there. They are really going through a flat patch because they're not just losing. They are getting a bit of a hiding, aren't they? 10.48 here on SENZ. We shall be back with Louis, Herman Watt and our visit to the TAB as per the case usually at this hour. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Time to hit uh, up Louis Herman Watt for some information, maybe some uh, advice too as we look forward to racing today and at the weekend, Louis. First of all, let's talk on uh, Whanganui today. Eight races, uh, so going around, not quite sure what the track condition is, but yeah, Whanganui. 
Yeah, I mean, what a what a place, what a destination, Wanganui, one of the great places in the world, really. Um, and today, Smithy, we are on a soft seven. Remember, we got the new track and the new track rating uh, we matched up with Australia. So, a soft seven is what we'll be playing on today at Wanganui. And um, there's a couple of Didim runners that are taking a lot of cash, including, and I pointed this one out, now there's been scratchings, but champers for Peter Didim in race number six. So that's a market watch for sure. Smithy, who wins the Queen Elizabeth Stakes, mate? Oh, look, I'm not sure. It's a hell of a field. Uh, probably one of the three or four of the better horses uh, going to get it. Get it. Uh, and what's the weather like for the weekend? Because it's heavy. It's heavy yesterday, I noticed, at Canterbury uh, over there yesterday. So... More rain around the Sydney area. They say Randwick bounces back as quick as any track uh, in the Sydney area, uh, but maybe too wet for uh, Animo. Um, your Dewis uh, is a, a wonderful horse, our very own, very elegant. I mean, how, how do you separate them, to be fair? Very elegant or like this thing out the wet. Yeah, there's a saying, I, I don't know, I've just heard this a couple of places leading up to this meet. They're saying the track's going to be deeper than Hutchie's pockets. So I'm not too sure... <laughs> what exactly that means as far as a track reading, apart from it's going to be absolutely soaking wet. We had the pleasure of catching up with Edward Cummings this morning on breakfast, and I enjoyed this so much. I, the, Aussie trainers, for the most part, are so refreshing. They're so honest. They are really kind of comfortable to come on whenever I've asked them to come on the shows, and especially with a mayor like Jewess. This could be the mayor of a lifetime for Edward Cummings, and How's this, Smithy? He's talking about her preparation with intel and information that he has from when his grand uh, his granddad trained Saintly. He's saying, well, Bart did this with Saintly. And, you know, I'm trying to do the same thing. Like, what an information bank and what a history and a, a family tree to be able to pull from when you're trying to plot a famous kind of uh, preparation for a mirror that could be the mirror of a generation. He said that the map it kind of looks like Zaki goes forward, you get uh, Animo, maybe think it over, can, in Montefilia that can kind of pop in just behind very elegant and Juas from their draws will go back I just suspect that Josh Parr will sit quiet on Juas as long as he can J-Mac knowing that he's got the superior staying horse in the race on very elegant will probably get moving maybe around the 600 we've seen him do this before in this race uh, come around wide maybe six around the bend I tell you what, on these wet tracks, the horses that are back in the field and can kind of get into any part of a good part of the track will run on and go past them. I'd say Jewess will sit on Very Elegant's back and try pop her off over the last 50 metres, 100 metres. What a race this will be. What a race it'll be. And, uh, of course, it's preceded by a couple of other classics. I mean, it's a hell of a, hell of a day's racing, race two of the championships. Uh, of course, a week two of the championships. You've got the Oaks. Australian Oaks, Sydney Cup, chosen one, the top weight. Yeah, Toppy, and um, oh, this is quite incredible, really. There's four and a half kilos between him and the next horse. So he's going to have to do it hard, but he's got the 3,200-metre form. He's come fourth and fifth in Melbourne Cups. Um, he, he is a stallion that has got better with age. So I am very aware that the weight would suggest he's not going to win this race, but I don't want to ride him off. In the Oaks, Gypsy Goddess just looked like she wanted more ground. Um, Barry 11's not going to be an issue over the distance Willie Pike's starting to find some form and Chris Waller's got his crew and then Hugh Bowman I've said it a couple of times this week Hugh Bowman on Honey Creeper was one of the rides, best rides I've seen in the last couple of years last weekend Honey Creeper backs up for James Cummings Ed's brother and with Huey in the form he's in she's got to be a real chance for the Royal Blue Godolphin Louis, absolute pleasure to catch up with you and uh, we'll do that again tomorrow as uh, we're a day closer to a great weekend 
of thoroughbred racing. So uh, thanks for that. Uh, pop across to the, the tab now, the TAB, where uh, Pip Morris is waiting for us. Pip, a busy day of greyhounds today. Two meetings, Cambridge and Addington. Certainly is, Smithy, and much to look forward to out of Cambridge. We've got three derby heats with the finals being run next this Thursday during the day. We've got the two lowest Henley Memorial heats as well as the Angus Wright. So heaps to look forward to. Really like the fact that Karen Walsh has run a thrilling risk, has come up with box number two in race number three. I think he's a good futures market. There's futures markets available too. I, I like him near around $10. Obviously, our pile of superstars racing. He comes up with the eighth alley in his heat. He's the futures favourite, no surprise there. And I really like Master Porthos to win as well. Caught up with Jack Hart. He's really keen on most of his runners today. So I think if you're a Greyhound fan, you want to tune in there to Cambridge. And on the sports side of things, maybe... Uh, a lot to look forward to, of course, the Masters. There's been $2,000 on Woods at 41s in the outright winner market, a 1.5K on Sam Smith at $15, and $1,000 as well on Morikawa at 21s, and you can back into that bonus back option to back your golfer if they don't manage to win, but they finish top 20 this time, you can get a bonus back there up to $50. Fantastic, Pip. Thanks for that information. Yeah, the Masters is hot. Uh, we'll be back uh, after 11 o'clock. Uh, Sean Summerfield's going to join us uh, as we look at motor racing matters, and there are plenty of them with uh, some big events coming up this weekend. Uh, in the meantime, uh, it'll be Ottawa with the news, uh, and then, of course, Stump Smithy at 11.30, and the highlights or the headlines coming in from around the world with Logan at 11.20. All to look forward to very shortly. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.03 here on SENZ, and uh, here's an opportunity for you to get involved in the show. It's called Dart Zone. We are counting down to the best pound-for-pound fighters as voted by you. Head to SENZ Instagram to vote. All thanks to the zone, and it's a blockbuster weekend of boxing this weekend on the zone. Uh, Triple G versus uh, Ryota Murata. It's on uh, Saturday, April the 9th, and uh, one day later on the Sunday, Ryan Garcia uh, up against Emmanuel to go. Two fights for two dollars ninety nine. Yep, two for two ninety nine. Uh, download the zone from the App Store or watch on danz.com. The zone for big fights, great prices on any device. So there you go, Dar's zone. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Sean Somerville very shortly. I'm just reading this amazing story too uh, about uh, auctioneer Sotheby's expect that the shirt worn by Diego Maradona when he scored his infamous Hand of God goal against England back in 1986, who will forget that, uh, is expected to sell for at least £4 million. Believe that or not, 75 million New Zealand dollars. The shirt is owned by former England midfielder Steve Hodge who swapped shirts with Maradona after Argentina won the match 2-1 thanks to two goals by the forward. The second was uh, one of the great goals. The first uh, was just uh, unbelievably bad. Uh, Maradona of course uh, gets ready to cross the ball under pressure from uh, English defender Gary Stephen during the the World Cup quarterfinal Um, and then uh, as he Put it just jumped high above the goalkeeper and just put it in with his hand. Never forget it. So, uh, yeah, four million, four million quid for that. I find that absolutely outstanding. 
Uh, it suggests to me that there's more than just cotton in that shirt. Uh, and who would know with Maradona? It is 11.05 here on SENZ, and I believe Sean Summerfield is with us. Just gives us the, the thumbs up. That would be uh, good if he's there. Logan, not there at the not, moment. Not quite yet, Smithy, but I'm Sean. curious. You talk about the Maradona thing. Is there any piece of sporting history that, if you had the money, you're talking about winning lotto here. Of course, you want to go to the Masters. Why wouldn't you? But if you won lotto and you could buy any piece of sporting memorabilia throughout history, what would it be? I know, actually, it's a very good question. I, I um, Maybe it's something for our, our uh, listeners to, to get on as well, just uh, as a late text in the last hour. But uh, what would you come in with? What would you come up with there? What would I, what would I like to, uh, what would I really like? Maybe uh, being a cricketing fan, um, a, an original Don Bradman bat, uh, way, way from the, you know, the greatest run scorer in the history of the game, one of his original bats that he was used. Um, and perhaps he scored a hundred or a double hundred with that would be sensational. Um, if not, then something along the golfing theme, uh, maybe uh, something that, uh, of course, linked them with Tiger Woods. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a big memorabilia uh, fan in terms of collecting. I've given most of my stuff away. Actually, the underarm ball was always a good one. Uh, I was watching a, a yet again someone uh, who I was with last night put the underarm incident on and uh, Brian McKechnie just blocked the ball and uh, picked through his bat and picked up his bat. I just wondered if he'd picked up the ball and put it in his pocket. What's the original ball signed by Trevor Chappell and Brian McKechnie would actually be worth. That would be worth uh, holding as well. So thumbs up. Sean Summerfield is uh, on the line for us, which I'm really, really happy about because it is a, a massive weekend uh, of motorsport coming up, uh, particularly at, at uh, Melbourne's Albert Park sharing the spotlight with uh, the Formula One Australian Grand Prix on Grand Prix, plus Scott McLaughlin and Scott Dixon racing in IndyCar's Grand Prix of Long Beach. The pandemic put a, a pause to the party in Melbourne two years ago, but the crowds are expected to flood on back with no restrictions. Now, what a celebration of racing it will be. So, Sean, uh, thanks very much for joining us this morning, and I imagine if anyone's excited about that, you will be. Oh, mate, I, I, I couldn't believe it, Smithy, because I was there in 2019 I actually saw the last Melbourne Grand Prix and it feels like a lifetime ago and um, there was a bunch of people I knew went in 2020 and you know got sent back um, but yeah it, it, it really does seem like longer than you know like it seems forever since we had, we had a race there and I, I, the people that are there I think are going to be there for something special a, a bit like in 2020 when the, they had that Blues Hurricanes game after the first lockdown and everyone Eden, went to Eden Park, it was sold out. I think it's going to be that sort of celebration of sport. It is going to be. I mean, it's been a supercars venue for uh, only since 2018, but uh, it's had a Formula One association since way back in 1996. What makes uh, Albert Park so special? Oh, well, it's, it's a Formula One track. and it's, it's funny, I've been lucky enough, I've actually driven around it quite quickly years ago as, as a journalist in, in a very fast car and um, and I thought I was going very fast and they explained where I was touching the brakes doing about 220 the uh, Formula 1 guys were doing 100 k's faster and touching the brakes about another 70 metres down the road and I went okay they're very quick and, they, and I said oh this track is so smooth I can't believe it and they said no this is one of the bumpier Formula 1 tracks and I was Wow, okay. So it was good to actually experience that, but they've resurfaced it for the first time and um, they've uh, got rid of uh, some corners as well. 
So it's um, it's going to be a very new sort of race. And I think the smoothing is important, Smithy, because obviously the, the the Formula One cars have changed this year. They've got the the bigger diameter wheels, less sidewall on the tyres, and they're struggling a bit, some of the cars, with the way they, they handle some of the circuits. And that's why we've seen... Um, you know, um, especially McLaren suddenly fall, fall way off because um, what worked last year doesn't work anymore. It has uh, been a while, of course, for the fans. You mentioned yourself, uh, it feels like it's been forever. Uh, what are you uh, amazing and uh, what are you th- expecting in terms of uh, crowd size, etc.? I think every single person and then some that can get in will be there, mate. I think it's going to be... Because I think as, as as humans, as sports fans, we've got this desire to be, to be at sport and to be, and the spectators make the occasions. I mean, I've struggled to watch Super Rugby without people in the in the crowd. Now we've got people there. I can actually even watch it on TV. I think this is going to be phenomenal. Australia is so passionate about the the, the Formula One. Um, it's it's really really special. I mean, I do feel for the Aussie fans. Obviously, last time. Uh, they were there. Ricardo was making his debut for Renault, and he he pretty much crashed on <laughs> in the opening of the race. Um, this time he's in a McLaren that is struggling so far this season. But uh, as he said, he was involved in some of the redesigns. And um, look, my my most of my experience, aside from the the, the track laps I got to do a few years back, is is when you play the PlayStation. But they've removed the chicane at turns nine and ten. So it's now a flat-out run from Turn 6 all the way through to the Turn 11, so it's going to be a faster lap. They're about five seconds quicker. And they've also opened up, I think, Turns 1, 3, 6, 11 and 13, so that's a lot of widening they've done to create better passing opportunities because there has been criticism that it didn't, didn't offer that. So as an occasion, this and the fact that we've got cars that are still challenging some teams, we've got... Um, drivers and new teams coming, all sorts. I think this could be one of the most entertaining Aussie Grand Prix, arguably ever. Okay, so uh, on the Formula One side of things, Ferraris, uh, Leclerc and, and Carlos Sainz are one and two in the driver's standings, but where do you where do you think, and, and we're looking at these changes, modifications to Albert Park, uh, who are you looking at this weekend in terms of uh, perhaps more speed, as you say? <coughs> I think you've said it right now with with Ferrari. Um, they they seem to have it right. The I think we're not going to see a lot of the other teams really make up ground till they get back to Europe. Um, these are sort of remote races, if you like. Um, but Ferrari just have it. And I tell you what's going to be awesome too. Uh, Melbourne goes nuts when Ferrari do well. Uh, Ligon Street just goes crazy with red cars. Um, so that that's going to add to the occasion. But I think. Um, Look, I'll be surprised we don't see two Ferrari drivers on the podium. Leclerc, something special. I, I, I've got it. Also, a soft spot for George Russell. Um, I think he is something truly awesome. And the fact that he's been wrestling a bit of a pig of a car for the last few seasons in the Williams, he's handling the Mercedes that isn't quite up to spec better than Lewis, who's had a car that's been dead on. It's been built around him. It's been amazing. So I think George Russell can still do some awesome stuff. And look, Red Bull, um, Verstappen's, again, tr- a truly incredible driver. And I, I don't sort of, um, don't write them off to take this one because they still haven't been knocked flat. But what, what I'm really liking is seeing, you know, the, the, the likes of Bottas and, and um, 
sort of uh, showing he's still got something special. Uh, again, Ferrari engine helps in the Haas, and uh, and even the Alpine with uh, Ocon. So, so there's, it's it's great to see these other drivers doing some special stuff. And while I don't want to see anyone um, not make the race, I love the fact that Liam Lawson is the reserve driver uh, for Alpha Tauri this weekend. So he'll be in Melbourne now, but he will get the he'll get the all clear to leave. So he won't be there for the race. So if someone falls over, gets COVID, he could end up in the grace car this weekend. If not, he's heading away for the uh, for the next um, test test weekend. But um, yeah, and look, it, it's it's just fantastic to see this event back. It's one of the the, the great sporting events, not just motorsport. And you mentioned supercars before, Smithy. If I can go back to that, for years the supercars they raced there, but it wasn't a championship race. It was almost there as sort of a a um, just a, a showcase, if you like. It was a bit of a novelty, and I, there was a whole lot of reasons for that. They liked to be the main game, and they didn't like to play second fiddle, and there was all sorts of things going on, and TV rights, and all these sort of all these sort of nonsense. But that's been sorted out, and um, it, it's going to be an awesome race because it's such a cool track, especially now it's been made faster, and. Um, you know, the obvious thing is we've got Shane Van Gisbergen who just looks phenomenal at the moment. He does look phenomenal and uh, it looks like he, he's going to perhaps dominate again this weekend. It's called the, the Melbourne 400 weekend. So how does that, uh, this weekend, how does that format of the supercars work? You, know, you, you asked me that question, Smithy, and um, I'm... Yep. I'm I'm really really quickly now just double checking, but I think it'll be two two hundred races if I'm right. Um, so two two hundred k races if I'm if I'm <laughs> dead yeah. on with that. I'm double checking now, so don't make an idiot of myself. But it's um, <laughs> so obviously they're they're on the undercard, um, and that that's been been a bit of it. But hey, just just while I just while I try and um, sort of to steer the conversation away from that while I check it. Van Gisbergen's just coming from finishing second in the uh, the Rally of Canberra, which is just which is just crazy. So um, but anyway, I'm just looking now. So here we go. Melbourne 400 runs to a unique format. Uh, it's created across four days. They get two 30-minute practice sessions um, uh, later on today. Then 10-minute qualifiers this afternoon. Then there's um, more qualifying on Friday. And then there's four races to follow. So there you go. Um, so four 20-lap races, and there's four tyre okay. changes as well. So racing for the Larry Perkins Perpetual Trophy. So there you go. Thank you, Google. But, um, you. yeah, I actually thought 2,200, but how's that? <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, I mean, that's going to be quick-fire stuff on a very quick track, so spectacular to say the least. Uh, also, Monday morning New Zealand time, we've got the two Scots going at it again in Indy cars. Uh, McLaughlin, what a story this is. Uh, he's currently top of the driver's standings, rookie of the year last year, uh, gone to top of the driver's standings. Uh, and so this battle with Scott Dixon, amongst others, is quite fascinating, and it continues at Long Beach. Yeah, and, and look, I I think if, if, if Scott Dixon's going to get it on, he, he's very good at this as a, a, a street course. It's got a, um, yeah, it can, it can be quite punishing. It's, it's a, I think it's a beautiful street course. I love the sort of roundabout around the flowers and, and whatnot, but McLaughlin, I've got no shame in saying he's one of my favourite drivers, but he's a guy who grew up, went from carts, and he's pretty much in, in tin tops. He, he 
dominates the um, supercars, and then he goes to an open wheel class, which is seriously quick, and I mean, and racing on ovals, which some drivers won't do; they're scared to do it. And and he just gets it. Yes, rookie of the year last year, but he's it's it's like he hasn't gone from rugby to league; he's gone from rugby to football. That that's how it is. Mm-hmm. How it looks to me, and and then he just pulls it out of the box at St. Pete this year, just. Phenomenal. He is the full package. And you look at St. Pete and uh, there's, you know, you're racing, you know, two centimetres from the wall. You, you only have to breathe wrong and you're in the wall and everything's over. And he just, he got it together and he's just, it's just phenomenal. But you don't write off, off Dixon. Um, if anyone can, can sort of get it together and keep learning, he knows these cars more than anyone. He is, he is without doubt the king of this series. Of current drivers, um, he 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 could he could pull it back, but mate, either way, it's a great Scott, isn't it? And I know that headline's been used a hundred times already, Smithy, but it's just fantastic. And what about that scheduled return too for McLaughlin to Bathurst later this year? I mean, uh, how exciting is that going to be? And and the transition back to that, he says, what? I'm, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to be an idiot. That's hardly likely, is it? With his his background there, <laughs> mate. Mate, he's just got to dial in. They'll feel it'll feel like driving a truck for a while after being in the Indy car, but he'll he'll be straight in. You know, you, drivers don't don't get sides. The whole, you know, form is temporary. The class is permanent, and um, he he's he'll he'll honestly give give him a couple of sessions, and he'll be right back into it. And there'll be no issues with his with his reactions. He's just got to get used to a car with more mechanical grip than than aerodynamic putting putting it onto the track. Um, obviously, it'll it'll feel like a bit bit of a blunt object after being in the in the Indy car, but mate, he he could just turn around and do it. He's he's he is that good, and and he's not he's not going to lose that ability at all. And I think it's fantastic as well that he's doing that. What a draw card! What an absolute draw card that's going to be, mate. Uh, that's a huge me- uh, weekend of motorsport. Uh, what have you got on CRC Motorsport yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm actually excited this weekend because we've got um, we're actually working with Sky Sport as well. So we've got the week after each race, we've got the supercars, which is fantastic. But we've got the opening round of the the GT World Challenge, which is the the sort of Lamborghinis, McLarens, Ferraris, Porsches, all, all that stuff, the the glamorous. And the cool thing is, there's a kid from Invercargill, Brendan Leach, who's doing very well. He's a junior team driver for Lamborghini. And uh, he, he's racing this weekend, and, and uh, I think that's just awesome uh, to have him on the show. A, you know, a kid from Invercargill that, I mean, I first met him when I worked down there when he was not even gone to school, Smithy. And, um, you know, here he is racing racing for Lamborghini. I think that's just awesome. Look forward to it, uh, Sean, and I thank you so much for your time this morning uh, updating us and previewing a fascinating weekend of motorsport. Uh, cheers, mate. Enjoy it. I know you will. I will. Thanks, mate. Yes, Sean Summerfield uh, there. Um, what uh, he doesn't know about motor racing around this part of the world and the, uh, the world in general uh, ain't worth knowing. Uh, fully up to date on things. So uh, we've got uh, all those details about what's coming up this weekend, the makeup of uh, the weekend's activities and Formula One back uh, at Albert Park in Melbourne. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. 11.21 here on SENZ. Uh, a short break, some uh, headlines from around the world. And then a stump smithy at 11.30.
shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. That's right, it is time for Around the World here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Before we get into the headlines though, Smithy, great text on the temper bedpost text machine here. We put the question on uh, the listeners, what would they spend their money on uh, if they could get anything? Jeff the Ref has come in saying he wants uh, signed w- wicket-keeping gloves from yours truly. Yeah, well, he can have them for 10 bucks. They won't <laughs> be fetching much, I can tell you that. That's if I've got any left, somewhere down the bottom of some antiquated uh, spider web filled cricket coffin at the back of the garage so they can have them for 10 bucks or less actually postage but um, no in all honesty there's some great stuff uh, from around the world and people make a lot of money actually don't they out of exchanging memorabilia but uh, stuff to keep uh, I'm I'm not sure actually I mean goodness me Uh, it's just it's just endless the possibilities I mean Muhammad Ali's boxing gloves and signed by Muhammad Ali. I mean, the price for some of these things, anything's got a price as long as someone wants to buy it. I mean, I was in the commentary box when Shane Warne put his uh, baggy green up for auction um, those uh, three or four years ago to aid uh, bushfire relief and uh, it just went through the roof. They stopped it at a million bucks. It could have gone for a lot more. Stopped it at a million dollars for a baggy green cap. That's right. Just a question of who, if you've got a buyer, just a a question if someone wants it, they will pay. That's right. Now, uh, yeah, I remember that uh, auction very, very well. Uh, keeping, though, around the world, uh, Australian cricketers, uh, Pat Cummins has gone a bit berserk in the IPL, fresh from his mandatory quarantine. He's come out swinging for the Kolkata Knight Riders. Oh, to get control of the game. Gone up a long way. Gone up a long way. And has gone a long way. This is uh, quite brilliant from Pat Cummins. Yeah, nothing wrong with shot making there. Pat Cummins on a roll, it's on fire, but I wonder if that's the right length on this pitch. Should he go back of length, the hard length? The 28-year-old uh, Aussie Test skipper belted 56 off just 15 balls as the two-time champions reached their target of 162 at four overs to spare for that five-wicket win over the Mumbai Indi- uh, Indians. Cummins' effort equal KL Rahul's record fastest 50 off 14 balls uh, back in 2018. And afterwards, Cummins said, I think I'm batting at my best when I don't think too much. I just try and swing hard. And uh, fortunately today, it, it came off. Uh, and just Keeping with cricket, quickly, Smithy, the ICC has uh, come out and they've thanked hosts New Zealand Cricket for a successful delivery of the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup. The event, which has been one of the most competitive Cricket World Cups ever, saw Australia crowned as champions after 31 games with eight teams competing across six host cities, Christchurch, Wellington, Auckland, Hamilton, Dunedin, and my hometown, Dunedin. The event was brilliantly and safely delivered uh, and yeah, the ICC just uh, chair Greg Barclay has come out with huge praise. Delighted with the way it was staged. It's been the most wonderful av- advertisement for cricket with closely fought competitive matches on superb pitches at beautiful venue, Smithy. Well, that's a good point. The last one is a very good point. The pitches were absolutely outstanding. Uh, so the ground staff around the country absolutely gave the women the best stage to perform on, and they did. The weather was by and large very good. Uh, it just had so many 
really cool things going for it. And but on top of that, the skill of the women uh, is undoubted and it attracted, uh, I think, a new audience. And, and that's what World Cups. Um, I, I think that they're, they're not duty bound to do, but it's one of the great things about World Cups. You put it on a stage of that nature. You take it around the joint, and people get uh, uh, they show some interest for initially, and then they get hooked. Uh, and women's cricket will be a, a much, much the better for it, uh, having its time in New Zealand after, what, 22 years the last time we had it. Uh, probably be another 20-odd years before we get it again. Uh, that's the way that the cycles tend to work. But uh, it was just uh, one of the most special things to be involved with. I, I can't really see uh, a negative to it. Uh, if you're a New Zealand cricket fan, the obvious one, of course, is that we didn't get through to the last four uh, and make that playoff stage. But aside from that, it was just absolutely brilliant. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think, um, I think uh, Greg Barclay, of course, a New Zealander uh, himself as the chair of uh, the ICC, uh, was at most of the games, uh, as were a lot of uh, officials around, from around the world, particularly uh, the last game where people flocked in from all sorts of people came in from England just uh, overnight, basically. It was quite incredible how you can get around the world as quickly as you can these days. But one or two people coming from England, the uh, English and Wales Cricket Board, just for that particular game, uh, about two weeks, uh, two days out notice they had. So incredible. Uh, 11.31 here on SENZ. Uh, we're going to go to the news with uh, Aloha very shortly. And, of course, when we come back, it'll be Stump Smithy time, 0800 uh, It's your time uh, turn to win some uh, some bickies from the TAB, uh, as well as, of course, some sleep drops. So uh, get on the line, and we'll have some fun very shortly. But first, it's news time. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Oh yeah, big time in the show. It's time for Stumped. Up for grabs today is $50 TAB bonus bet, plus some sleep drops, daytime revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Joining us at the crease, we have Damon from Palmy. Come in, mate. How are you guys? Yeah, really good. How's Palmerston North treating you today? Well, sun's out again now. We've had a good run, so uh, long may it last. Love it. Love to hear it, mate. All right. You probably know how it goes. You're a familiar face. Love to hear your voice again. Always love Palmy. Every time I go down there, you've got to smash some fudge. Uh, for any new listeners, this is how the game works. We have three sporting categories to choose from today. Answer all three questions correctly, and then you can win big. Get a question wrong, though, and it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bales off. Get out within the first two questions, and then it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question, and we will jackpot tomorrow for Friday. Today's topics for you, Damon, are the Masters, cricket, and basketball. Take your pick. Oh, I'll have to go basketball. Okay, okay, we'll see how you go, mate. Good luck. I mean, just quietly, uh, Smithy knows a thing or two about basketball along with the Masters in cricket, so who knows, mate? Who knows what can happen on Stumped? First question, though, for you. Kyle Lowry was instrumental in helping the Toronto Raptors win their first NBA championship back in 2019. What year was he traded to the Miami Heat? Traded to the Miami Heat. I will stay um, 2020. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, over to you. 
2019. Uh, 2020, well, it's got to be 2021. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. <laughs> That's Brad's here. Gone. Sorry, Damon. You have been stumped on the line. Next up is Charlie from Geraldine. How are you feeling about basketball? Uh, oh, no, not for the best basketball, mate. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how you go. Smithy's well, probably... well played, Smithy. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks for your calls. Call back again tomorrow. <laughs> All right, question number two, Charlie. The New Zealand Breakers have retired three numbers in the club's history. Which three players do the numbers 23, 24 and 32 belong to? Which three players? Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow, am I supposed to know that? (laughs) It's stumped, mate. Mate, I've got no idea. Go on, Smithy, you tell me all three. Well, I think CJ Bruton's one. I think CJ Bruton is one. I think uh, Paulie uh, Hanari might be another one. I think Paulie Hanari, and I'm I'm gonna say I've got to say um, I think we've had this guy on the show as a guest from time to time because um, he is. I think I think he's uh, he's been quite prominent within the that side of things. Ah, God. Oh. No. Ah. Oh, look, it's on the tip of my tongue, and he's a hell of a great guy, I've got to say. So, uh, nah, it's it's slipped my mind, but as soon as you say it, I'm going to spew. Oh, man. well, you know who I'm talking about. I, eh? I do. I'm on. Uh, both Brian and I are on the edge of our seats right now because we thought you were just going to rattle it off. Yes, CJ Bruton. Yes, Paul Hanare. The third is Dylan Belcher. Oh, I know. I know it's Dylan Belcher. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. okay. You're alive. Yeah. He's alive. Charlie's alive. Sorry, oh. Dylan. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you still got one more question, mate. Don't don't sell. You don't get the chocolates just yet. Uh, Dennis Rodman is one of the most recognisable characters in the history of the NBA, nicknamed the Worm. How many championships did he win with the Chicago Bulls? Um. Well, only because he played with Jordan. I'm going to say six. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Close, but no cigars. Okay. I'm going to say four. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Split the difference. It was five. 1989, 1990, plus the famous three-peat of 96, 97, and 98. So, Charlie, even though you felt like you didn't really know much about basketball there, you... You held on. You won't get the sleep drops, but uh, we will give you the $50 TAB bonus bet. So hold the line and uh, Brian will hook you up. Oh, cool. Thanks. Oh, look, you smitty. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Charlie. Cheers, Charlie. Uh, I love Geraldine, too. I really love Geraldine, so it's a good spot. So I enjoy it down there. And uh, keep listening, mate. Keep texting and give us a call sometime if you really feel deeply about something. I'd love to... Hear from you in person, mate. Not just go against you head-to-head on the Stump Smithy. There will be another one, by the way, uh, folks, tomorrow around about 11.31. Dennis Rodman. Now, what a strange cookie Dennis Rodman is. I mean, I think he's got a daughter. In fact, I know he's got a daughter that plays for the U.S. women's football team. 
and thank goodness she's not as heavily tattooed as he is. She's a little bit, I watched her play in a match, might have been, was it against New Zealand, uh, where she was a lot of histrionics involved. Um, she, she, I think she went down two or three times within that game, and uh, all sorts of things uh, were run on to try and help her out. But um, she uh, is the daughter of Dennis Rodman. I suppose it's a good thing to be. Dennis, I mean, this is the bloke that went to North Korea, isn't it? Uh, Dennis Rodman, who tried to make peace with the world. Uh, um, and uh, he just, uh, when, they, when they leave his, if they do, and when they do leave his brain to science, I'm not sure they'll find much. Put it that way. Anyway, it's 11.40 here on SENZ. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. Well, we mentioned before that we had pacing for purpose. Well, we've got a double header today because uh, this week's Greyhound picked to raise funds for women's refuges racing tonight at Addington. Uh, this is an inter-show contest we've uh, raised, raised so far 210 bucks, courtesy of Gold Star Butters winning two weeks ago. Uh, so tonight we're uh, on race 10, number 6, and uh, the dog is called Mabel Jewel. Mabel Jewel, uh, race 10, number 6, hoping to raise some more money for women's refuge. Uh, a couple of uh, texts have uh, come in regarding memorabilia. Uh, uh, Frazee says, hey, Smithy, I have a replica jersey signed by Alan Ball, not Gary Ball, it'll be Alan Ball from the 1966 uh, World Cup. Someone can buy it if they want it. Wow, goodness me, that would be... Uh, I think a hell of a valuable thing to uh, offer up, Frazee. So if we get any inquiries from that, we'll uh, pass your number on. Maybe we'll do it that way. I won't give your number out publicly, but if anyone comes in to any of our shows and is interested in taking that off your hands, um, uh, we will uh, certainly make, uh, make them make contact with you. That's the best way we can go about it. Uh, you're going to take a wrap over the knuckles here, uh, my friend Logan, um, in uh, our, just our recent co- competition. We had a question about... Dennis Rodman, uh, and uh, according to RG, that's wrong, mate. You asked how many championships did he win with the Bulls. Well, he won three with the Bulls, uh, but he won one in the 80s uh, with the Detroit Pistons. So, yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah, called out by one of Hamilton's finest. Uh, I'm afraid I will completely wear that one on the knuckles. That's what happens when you uh, hastily search stuff up on the internet. Sometimes you, you forget to double-check in the haste. But, yes, it was three. The results still stayed the same. But, uh, hey, I'll, I'll do better next time. Sorry, RG. Uh, good on you, RG. Um, also, RG's come in and said, at home, mate, I've got a match day program and match day ticket. From the 1964 test, the All Blacks vs England uh, from Twickenham, signed by both Pine Tree and Stan Meads. Pine Tree and Stan Meads, who obviously played in that game. Well, man, that is something worth holding on to. Of course, uh, the great Pine Tree no longer with us, so anything uh, that uh, has got his uh, moniker on it or anything to do with that great man uh, is certainly worth holding on to because uh, you just cannot be, clearly it can't be replaced, so... Uh, that is uh, something special, RG. Congratulations uh, for having that um, in your particular wardrobe in terms of um, replica stuff. Uh, it's a good subject, actually, uh, what people tend to collect or want to collect from around the world. Uh, just having a look at the market, too, uh, for the golf this weekend. It's so hard to pick an outright winner this far out from a tournament. But you can cut your odds down a wee bit and cut your, uh, increase your odds of winning, but cut your odds in terms of dividend down. 
uh, by looking at a, a top five finish. Now, players going into this event, the interesting top five finish at the moment, uh, the top few, John Rahm at three bucks. Uh, you've got Dustin Johnson at $3.60, quite like DJ. Been floating around quite quietly behind the scenes, may just be ready to bust out. Justin Thomas, day in, day out, is always there or thereabouts. Uh, so he's listed at $3.60. Cameron Smith, I mentioned before, uh, I, I know his caddy. I've talked to him about uh, Cameron Smith, and he says Augusta is ideally suited to Cameron Smith's game and his form so far this season has been quite sublime Well, so as well. So $3.75 for Cameron Smith. Scotty Scheffler, $3.75. Won twice already on the PGA this year. Is certainly a form player. Brooks Kepka uh, comes and goes a wee bit when he gets it right, though. Kepka, you know, is good value at $4.33. Colin Morikawa at $4.50. Rory McIlroy, can you ever count him out? Because when Rory gets it right, uh, the whole world takes notice. Uh, $4.50 hasn't very seldom, very seldom actually got it perfectly right um, at Augusta. Uh, Jordan Spieth, who uh, has a bit hot and cold, not sure I'd be taking Jordan Spieth at 5 bucks. Patrick Cantlay's a good one at 5 bucks. Victor Hovland at 5 bucks. Xander Shoffley at $5. So uh, quite clearly, um, there's uh, some wonderful golfers that Tiger Woods has to go past. Tiger Woods, $6.50 to finish in the top five. Some people were putting big money on him to win which uh, I'd love to be holding on to. I really would. Uh, and uh, you go all the way down to Bryson DeChambeau. Remember him, $8.50. And how about Hideki Matsuyama, the defending champion? $8 to finish in the f- first five. Now, uh, one of the most endearing memories I think I've got in sport in the last few years is watching his caddy uh, in tradition take the flag off the 18th uh, pin when he, when he won it, take the flag off, stand there and bow in a very, very respectful Japanese fashion bow back to the course, the Augusta course. I thought that was one of the most poignant memories of him winning that. Ken's just come and said, Smithy, I've got Wayne Rooney, Manchester United, signed 10 jersey and a Springbok, Francois Pienaar, number 6 signed jersey. There are a couple of good ones. Ken, you are not wrong there. Uh, Wayne Rooney, value for money anywhere, Francois Pienaar, inspirational, of course, uh, Springbok captain. Great relationship uh, he, of course, had. Uh, with the great uh, Nelson Mandela as well. So Pinar, number six jersey, and Wayne Rooney, number 10. Very, very special indeed. It is 11.51 here on SENZ, and uh, that means uh, we've got Staffy coming up just before the break, and we'll have a quick chat to him shortly. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.